Kia ora, welcome into SENZ Breakfast. Izzy and Ricardo with you on your uh, Monday morning. Uh, start of another great week after a big weekend of, uh, well, all sorts of sport, including the Six Nations, Izzy. I know we'll get to that shortly, but it is, of course, Super Bowl Monday as well, mate. Your fist is the couch prepped for your <laughs> butt for four hours? <laughs> the couch is prepped, but I, I was trying to look for my Kansas City Chiefs um, top. It is a Tyreek Hill. He's going to the Miami Dolphins. But um, getting up and going to support them, I'll put my bet on for today's game. Hopefully haven't stopped it, but the way I'm going, probably have. But Super Bowl Monday, biggest day in sport in America. America. It's, uh, it is an awesome day, and I've been lucky enough to head along and, and be a part of it. And it is in the city that never really sleeps, in mm. Las Vegas, and... One of our listeners is over there, Joey from Gizzy, and he has been doing everything. And when I say everything, he went along to uh, the, the power slap, you know, that slapping <laughs> yeah. sport. Oh, I, look, I don't even know how that is a sport, and we're dealing with all these concussions, and they're just saying, hey, hit me in the head and knock me out. Um, so he's over at that. Then he went and watched uh, DJ um, Dustin Johnson win the LIV. In Las Vegas, hasn't played a golf at all, came fifth in Mexico and then went to win four million big dollars over there at the LIV. And what else has he done? He's hung out with uh, uh, Mailata, the the um, Eagles um, big band. Oh, yeah. He's played obviously, yeah, yeah, so he's over there, he's hung out with the him. Big he's, been, he's been driving around in Lamborghinis. And then he's just sent me a video of him being up at 2 o'clock in the morning at uh, some little area. So I don't think he slept. Oh, I don't think he slept at all, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, Kempe's multi on Friday. Did they get, they got paid, eh? They got paid. Well, yeah, I mean, the, one of the horses got scratched. Scratch. But mm. um, So what did I do? I, I took Pip's advice, Lock and Aura, <laughs> which he said, you know, we thought oh, maybe Kempe was keeping that one to himself. I chucked that yep. on for the win to, to complete my multi, and, uh, yeah, she ran third. So my multi bit the dust. Top three? No, I had it for the win. Oh. Yeah. Well, it won its last one. It won its last one. So it, was, it wasn't a bad bet, but, yeah, Al Sheikh Chirac was on fire on Friday, and Kempe come on and just – Made me look like a goose. Thanks, Kempe. <laughs> and picked out a multi for all our listeners and got you. You paid, Robbie. You got on. Yeah, the cricket desk definitely got paid. I think coffee's on the cricket desk today. That's it's how I understand this, these things work. Mm. Yeah, I, did, I didn't get paid uh, as much as I potentially would have but uh, with that horse scratching. But, yeah, Boomtown Boy top four, 180. Cindy top three, 150. And uh, Lil Herb's got moves, which got stra- scratched. But, yeah, it ended up with just that too, uh, those two. So, yeah, worked out. Worked out. Beautiful. Worked out, right? Cindy got, got the dub too, so if you went on the nose, you would have got more and more. But hey, you what? covered all your bases, so well done to that. And I um, I didn't have a bet on the weekend. I know there was plenty of racing, and uh, we're going to be talking about it for Love Racing because Bonnie Lass beat Beast in the BCD sprint, Ben Crescetti. Well, Crescetti was a hot favourite. Bonnie Lass, I think, paid 18 bucks. So. A big upset there. We've got the syndicate manager, Cooper, coming on. Ben Cooper, I think, uh, coming on at um, at 8.40 to talk about that. Bonnie Lass, I think, um, Baz's neighbour, Graham Richardson, uh, is the trainer. So I was thinking, maybe Baz is involved in that horse, but I don't think he is. Maybe, anything. Baz has got plenty of them. But, uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that today and a bit of NFL. 
after uh, 7 o'clock as well, uh, Rick Dog. But, mate, it was a good weekend. Nice and relaxing. Got some jobs done. I actually went and watched the polo. The went polo. The polo the... Yeah. Have you watched polo before? <laughs> no. That's actually quite crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like if you go along and watch it, and at the start, it's like two knights going at it from end to end. So they leave the ball in the middle, and then these two horses just fly out full sprint out to the middle. And you think they're going to go hit it, have, have a head-on collision. And, um, and then that ball just goes, and there's a lot of argy-bargy. And the way that these horses can move from left to right, oh, it's, it was actually awesome watch. Because I've been a couple of times, but this time I was actually sober. So I watched the, uh, the polo. And, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So that was my uh, mm-hmm. kind of Saturday, just getting out there and sitting down and watching a bit of polo. A bit of polo. Yeah, nice, mm. mate, nice. I actually have, you know, I've been talking about been doing a bit of reading. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Connolly's book, Rambling Man. It's just his mm-hmm. stories. He played polo in Nepal with Ringo Starr on the back wow. of elephants. Elephant polo. Elephant polo? Elephant polo. Five aside, can you mm-hmm. imagine? I can't, I'm trying to imagine how <laughs> rough that would have been, how slow that would have been. Can elephants move at, at high pace? Yeah, they can. They, they take takes a little bit for them to get up to up to speed. I mean, they're not they're not horse fast, but you know they can get up to pace. Mm. But yeah, you talk about the other thing they do is uh, when they get near the ball, if the other another elephant's coming the other way, is they rear up on their back legs. Yep. And he said, been on the back when it does that is quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, when we started back on January 22nd, you had read six books. Mm. Has there been a move in that? Yeah, I'm up to, I'm on my 10th now. <laughs> so, getting Well, there, I read moving. one book and yeah. I'm still on one. Yeah, okay. Well, that's all right, mate. These good, th- good things take time, is he? Good things take time. All right, <laughs> shall we crack into this? Yes, simply the best from the weekend. Uh, Izzy, what have you got for us? Um, is, well, is this is polo? a special. No, it's not polo. This is a special time in American sport. You know, today is the day of Super Bowl, and two teams are going at it. The 49ers are taking on the Chiefs. Well, four years ago, I was lucky enough to head along to Super Bowl and experience it, and I was in the year. And when you're in the air, you, you have no real understanding of what's going on in the world while you're flying, you know, across the ocean to to America. And uh, just before we were landing, we all woke up, and the news came trickling through that the one and only, the great man, Kobe Bryant, had passed away from a helicopter accident. Uh, and I was taken back. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And we were actually flying into L.A., and it all unfolded in L.A., so four years ago, we lost the great man, Kobe Bryant, and his daughter, Gigi. And um, it, it, was a, it was a sad day. It was a sad day. But uh, yes, a couple of days ago, there was a pretty special moment for Kobe Bryant, his family, his partner, his wife, Vanessa, Shaquille O'Neal. Take a listen to this. I'm really grateful for everyone that helped make this special day happen. So I'll leave you with one of my husband's amazing quotes. Leave the game better than you found it. And when it comes time for you to leave, leave a legend. And that he did. This statue may look like Kobe, 
But really, it's what excellence looks like, what discipline looks like, what commitment looks like, what love of family looks like. Kobe Bryant, leave the game in a better place. Leave it as legendary status. Five-time NBA champion, two-time NBA Finals MVP, 33,000 points. Rebounds, assists, everything. The great man, Lakers, for me in my eyes, is the reason why I support the Lakers. Not because of LeBron, not because of uh, you know, Anthony Davis, Shaq, uh, Magic Johnson. Kobe Bryant is the reason that uh, I-, I support the Lakers. And in my eyes, will be the greatest of all time. And uh, it's, it's hard to believe that he's gone, Rick Dog. Um, you know, what, what he'd done and... Just how he inspired and his Mamba mentality. You know, I've been going through my own little journey at the moment. Mm. And when I get a little bit lost, I I go on to social media and there's some awesome motivational quotes that he used to to say constantly about doubt, about excellence in sport, about habits um, and everything. And when I listen to them every day, he just inspires me. So to this day, a man that has passed four years on, still inspiring um, me and I know many around the around the globe. So that was my simply the best recognition for the great man at the at the home of basketball in America. A big statue to salute Mamba, Mamba mentality. Yeah, Mamba mentality indeed. All right, that's a good simply the best. Mine pales in comparison now. Is I should have gone first, <laughs> uh, but my simply the best is this. Costa Barbarousas latches on to one across the six-yard area. Here is Kroyev. Here is Pennington. And here's the first goal. Nice passing move. Here's Pennington. Rebounds and it's gone in. That is an own goal. I'm almost certain that'll go down as an own goal. Yeah, Nico Pennington, great story. Mm. Uh, the Phoenix won 2-0 on the weekend. They are now top of the A-League, five points clear of the rest of the pack after other results went their way on the weekend. So that's good. But really, Nico Pennington, a kid that came to the club, he's an Aussie, born and bred in Italy. So you, his name's Nicholas Pennington, but you speak to him and he's got this real broken English and real heavy Italian accent. It's quite, uh, it's quite funny when you interview him uh, like that. But he... Uh, he, you know, really battled when he first got here, and uh, it's taken him a few seasons. I think this is his fourth season at the club, and he's finally established himself as a number one, uh, number one selection in the midfield. And uh, you're great to see him come back from that suspension that he had, uh, and he scored. He really scored both. I mean, the second one was given as an only goal, but uh, yeah, great from him. And he scored both goals. Two minutes mm. into this first half, two minutes into the second half, like way to stamp your authority on a game. And you know what that did? They got us a tick. Oh, yeah. For Izzy's investment, didn't it? It did. We had Phoenix to lead at halftime and win. <laughs> and that was paying two eighty eight. So that was my half of Izzy's investment. How did your half mm. of Izzy investment go? Ah, uh, Well, it was controversially denied mm. um, on the weekend. Well, Scotland 100% got that ball down. But the, the confusion there was Nick Berry said it was held up and there was no try. So you need conclusive evidence to get it down. Well, the camera angles I saw pretty much said, you cannot tell me that a blade of grass was not touching that ball when it was put Mm. put down. We needed Scotland to beat France, and they would have won in the last minute had a try been scored. And Ian, I'm sorry, but that was your fault, mate.
<laughs> you stopped that one. That wasn't me. That wasn't me. You stopped that one. So we missed out on Dagger's investment, which was which was sad. But there was plenty of controversial moments in, in the Six Nations on the weekend with James Dolman um, when George Ford started to move against with the conversion against yeah. Wales. And they actually charged it down and kicked the ball off the tee and carried on a halfway. Well, it was the right call. As soon as you make any movements towards uh, your approach to kick the goal over, that is uh, ball live, and you can charge it down and do what you need to do. So the right decision was made, but hey, cost us a little bit of a multi rick talk. It did, mate. It did just just on that because you were mm. you were sort of unsure which way to go. You went in the end for Scotland one to twelve against France, but there was another option, wasn't there, for uh, mm. a Kiwi uh, on the DP World Tour? How did that go? Ah, uh, well, that was that was well off. Because Dan Hilly is now 50th. Oh, right. So it started mm. well, didn't finish It started well. well. Yeah, look, look, that's the thing. You, you start well, you're round one, and and uh, whoever sent that tip through, he came through really Chris, I cocky. Think it was. I think it was Chris. He came through confident as hell because he was like T6, T7. So I said, mate, that's round one. That is round one, and uh, there is a long way to go. Well, he blew out, so I think he was um, – T fiftieth or something like that. Whereas Rock, Ryan Foxy was flying in the waste management open as well, and he's ended up five over. He's five Ooh. over on um, round three. There's been weather disruptions at Scottsdale TPC Waste Management Open, um, so he's five over at the moment. Currently three under. The leader is Sahith Thigala, who actually lost a couple of years ago to Scotty Scheffler when he bogeyed. Um, a couple of, I think it was 16 or 17, he put it into the water, bogeyed it and lost to um, Scotty Scheffler. So he is two shots clear of Novak and Scheffler. He is 13 under with uh, another round to go. I think it actually finishes after three rounds because rain, weather caused a bit of disruption right. there. But just on that, Richter, while we're on the topic of golf, this could have been simply the best as well. Kazuma Kabori. Has had three, four starts in Australia. He's just turned pro. He's had ten starts as a professional. Well, he's won again. He won again yesterday. Wow! So he's had three wins and four starts in the Webex competition over in Australia. He carded twenty-four under in his final round of sixty-six in Sydney to win his third. Uh, competition in Australia. So, mate, Kazuma Kabori, he is currently second. So he skipped Asian tour school, uh, Q school to go and play in Australia and do a, a different approach to making it on the DP World Tour. Well, he's currently second on in that um, qualifying card to get his card for the DP World Tour. And you'd have to say he is on track to potentially make it in the top golf. So that was good news yesterday. A guy that plays in Christchurch, I'll see him all the time down at Pegasus Golf Club, winning his third um, Webex Series competition in four starts. That is amazing. That is that is a heater. Like, that's definition mm. of a heater. Three and four that early in your career. Uh, how long do you yep. think it is before he steps up off this tour uh, up to the next level? I think he'll stay on this tour because... This is his kind of qualifying school tour to make it into the DP World Tour. So yeah. he'll be playing over there. He's going to come back and play in the New Zealand Golf Open down in Queenstown in a couple of weeks. So I'll catch up with him there. And I'm actually going to be doing the show down there 
for a couple of days before we play, so I might try and get him on the cans, um, have a chat to him. And a lot of the other golfers that uh, Dan Hillier is coming back, Denzel Aramea, so some good golfers. Um, but yeah, he'll he'll start. He'll just keep chipping away at this, and as soon as he's got that access to the DP World Tour. See you later, because I've spoken about Sam Jones, the left-hander from Taranaki. He got his DP World Tour card, and as soon as you crack that, you get a, a cash injection, a boost, and you're away. You're, Boom. you're, you're smooth sailing. Yeah. Nice. Well, coming up on the show, it is Super Bowl Monday. Uh, we are going to talk to Mike Carlson, an American living in London, does all the commentary for BBC when the NFL is in town. Joe from Gizzy as well. We're going to talk Six Nations. We'll talk some cricket. We'll talk some football as well. All of that and more coming your way. Want to hear from you. Your text, double eight double three. That is the temper bedpost text machine. This is SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. At 6.28, give us a call anytime, 0800 150 or you can text us on the Temper Bedpost text machine, Double eight double three is the number, Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort and as he's simply the best, uh, there's, a, mm. there's a few that have uh, chipped in with their simply the best on double eight double three as well. Yeah, send them through, double eight, double three. What was your simply the best of the weekend? It was a big weekend here in Christchurch. There was the Lantern um, show down at Hagley Oval. There was the, the Polo, which I went to. And then there was the Coast to Coast, which took place over the weekend. And now uh, Mark from Tauranga, Morena Lads in Aroha, and was simply the best is any mad bugger who completed the Coast to Coast individually or in a team the faces of pain or joy are an old, uh, are old, a story, and the well-earned beers and handshakes at the end makes it all worth it. What a well-run epic event for your information. Is that you're on the ballot next year? You've got the kayak that is from Mark and Toto. How many kayaking skills is he? Yeah, I uh, look. I think I do all right at kayaking. I did kayaking at high school. Yeah, and I learned how to do that little. Yeah, what do you you go in the pool and you flip it over and oh, then you do, do the, the turn and the Eskimo roll and all that. Yeah, the Eskimo roll, something like that. You know, I was pretty good at that. Well, I guess the, the scary thing is in the Waimak River is there's a lot of rocks and it's quite shallow in some parts. So I might be banging my head along the the bottom of the river for well, for just a wee don't while. Go upside down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mate. You gotta go upside down if you're kayaking down and you and you're with the current. So for me, that I don't think that would be. Too challenging, Mark? Am I wrong? Probably is challenging, but when you're going with the current, be interesting to to hear. But mate, well done to everyone that competed in that. Um, I saw one of my good friends' husband competed in the individually, and he was in a world of pain at the end of it. Yeah. So if you've done it, man, well done. I don't know if I could do that. If I had two good knees, Rick Dog, yep. I probably would give it a crack. But you can do parts of it. Maybe the bike. I could potentially have a crack. I've thought about it. I think the sense of achievement and accomplishment at the end of it could be quite well worth it. Um, you know, doing something, facing a fear. But yeah, it hasn't crossed my mind just yet. Hey, you give old give, give old Richie a call. See if he wants to put a team together with you. He was actually in a team. I spoke to him last week. He yeah. was in a team, and then his mate rolled his ankle, so he had to pull out. Um, so he was going to do it put with your another guy. Nah, nah. <laughs> Look, you, you've got to be dedicated. Like, yeah. If you're going to do it, you cannot just turn up. You cannot half-ass the, iron, uh, the nah, coast to coast. No, you can't. You've got to be committed. I think, what, minimum five months preparation mm. to do the coast to coast, I'd say. Yeah, and I, I can't do that.
Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but we get, get yours through to us, double eight, double three. You're simply the best of the weekend. Want to hear from you. We're going to hear from Araha now. It's uh, time for the latest in news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's back to work time at Bunnings Trade, 27 away from 7. We've got some sports news headlines for you. And Ireland kept up their superb Six Nations form as they stormed to a 36-0 victory over Italy at Aviva Stadium in Dublin and in what was a completely dominant display. Uh, tries from first five, Jack Crowley. Hooker Dan Sheehan got a couple, number eight, Jack Conan. And wingers, James Lowe and Calvin Nash also scored. That set Ireland up to the top after two rounds. They've picked up maximum competition points with two bonus point wins now, is he? Yeah, it looks like they're going to comfortably grab uh, the Six Nations uh, swong song as they may say. Um, they've got Wales next, and then they've got England, which will potentially be a tough outing, then finish with Scotland. So they've got a tough road home facing um, three three of the top sides. It's been a relatively even competition. Like you look at the weekend, 16-14, England beat Wales, and then it was a close one on the Scotland-England um, game when they won 2016 over Scotland, uh, Scotland-France, sorry. So it's been relatively um, evenly poised, but Ireland will probably continue on and take out the Six Nations, I'd say, comfortably. Yeah, it's got that look about it at the moment, mm. so uh, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that because probably, uh, un- unbelievably, because they haven't exactly been convincing, but England look like the ones that could actually be the only ones that can stop them. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. And they found a way on the weekend at home. They, they're not winning pretty, but they are finding a way to win it. And when you lose, you know, Mario Toje was big on the weekend for, for England. So you lose Owen Farrell, your, your bigger players have to step up. Mario Toje's stepping up. And, um, you know, Ethan Roots, the Kiwi man, he's had two starts for England at the moment, player of the match last week, and got Simbind on the weekend. But, you know, he's starting to, you know, make it that sixth jersey his home at the moment. Yeah, he's doing well, mate. He's doing well. And um, it's, it's been a breakout yeah, season for him, mm. so we'll keep an eye on him too. Uh, Kiwi pole vault star Eliza McCartney produced a magnificent world-leading vault of 4.84 metres to triumph at the World Athletics Indoor Gold Meet in Levin, France. Uh, uh, that was earlier this morning. Not Levin, but Levin in France. Um the 27-year-old Rio Olympic bronze medalist cleared her winning mark and sixth best vault of her career with her first attempt to defeat a world-class field and offer real optimism that McCartney could be in the mix at the Mm. World Indoors in Glasgow at the beginning of March and at Paris Olympic Games later on. Uh, That is the best pole vault in the world this year. She's been injury-plagued for a long time, Eliza McCartney, and, uh, you know, you think a couple of years gone by when she won the bronze medal at the Olympics and she was the biggest name biggest star in, in athletics in New Zealand and then she just had a ton of injury. I think she had shin splints and and a lot of things going on uh, with her legs. So good to see her healthy fit and uh, jumping really well. Um, is, she, is she on track? Did she win like that it. event? Yeah, she won that event, yeah. Oh, how good. Yeah, that's a, that's what I mean. It's that That is the best pole vault by any woman in the world in 2024.
good stuff. Well, we're only relatively early into it. Like it's a bit like you might be seeing you read a hundred books. Could you read a hundred books? Oh, that might be pushing it. I've I've, put, <laughs> I've set myself a goal of fifty. I'm on track. Mm. I'm on track. For well that. done. Yeah. Well, well so is Eliza. So is Eliza. Yeah, yeah, probably <laughs> a little bit more impressive her effort though. Let's just just quietly. <laughs> uh, Arsenal have stamped their title credentials all over West Ham at London Stadium this morning, winning six nil. The Hammers, who had beaten Arsenal twice this season, were hammered in front of their own fans. The visitors netting three times in the five minutes before halftime to go in 4-0 up at the break. The result has Arsenal in third spot, two points off Liverpool at the top. Manchester City are above them on goal difference in second with a game in hand. So yeah, that title race well and truly on. And the second half of Aston Villa Manchester United has just kicked off. Manchester United lead that 1-0 at the moment, but uh, 45 minutes still to go. Crazy to think that Erlen Haaland on the weekend scored his first goal in 77 days. A man that last year dominated and went so close. Should have won the Ballon d'Or um, uh, at the at the you know uh, comp, uh, the the prize giving end of last year, but yeah. Lionel Messi took it out and he went and scored a double in dominant fashion. Manchester City back in the hunt with Liverpool, Manchester United, mate. They're currently sitting in sixth place. Why? You happy with that? Well, no, I don't think anybody's happy with Manchester United being six, but uh, certainly seen the last couple of mm. games they they have produced something. I mean, you know, they uh, they had a three nil uh, win against West Ham at Old Trafford last time out. They they had that win four three the game before that. Now they're leading one nil at Villa. So uh, you've got to say that things are certainly looking up. If they win this game, it certainly closes the gap on them and because Villa are immediately above them in the in the table. So that'll uh, close it to, I think, a four-point gap. And Villa are starting to have a few injury issues. Uh, so mm. they, I think, have got their fourth and fifth uh, ranked centre-backs playing today. Uh, I think is how you'd look at it. Um, and that said, though, United... Another big loss for them uh, from an injury point of view. Lissandro Martinez is our best defender. He was out for ages with a foot injury. They had to have surgery. Came back. He's had three games. Somebody landed on him funny in the game against West Ham. Did his knee. He's out for eight weeks. So, uh, yeah, not missing him. And I see Harry Maguire's just gone off injured as well at half time and been replaced by Victor Lindelof. So, uh, yeah, United having injury problems of their own at the back. Bugger. Bugger indeed. Bugger. There you go. There's some sports news headlines for you. 21 away from 7 o'clock. Bunnings Trade can help you get back to work with amazing value on a huge range. You're simply the best. Uh, what is it? Let us know. Double eight, double three. That is a temper bed post text machine. It is a quarter away from 7 o'clock. Double eight, double three is how you get hold of us here on Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. And Izzy, uh, you've been reading up about the, the Phoenix. Yeah, I was just having a wee squiz online and an interesting headline caught my attention and it said, are Wellington Phoenix getting the attention they deserve? Wellington Phoenix fans have never had it this good. Their team is five points clear at the top of the A-League men's table after 17 matches. Their biggest ever lead after being labelled wooden spoon contenders in pre-season, the Phoenix are now daring to dream under new coach Gianna Carlo Italian, Italiano. So it got me thinking because they are having a season to dream about and they are a different outfit. When they first bursted on the scene, they've matched their highest points tally 
and they've still got 10 rounds left. Are we daring a dream? Are they getting the des- um, plaudits that they deserve? Are people starting to take notice? Because you're, you're a footballer through and through. You love the sport. For me, I've watched minimal of it, but I still am hearing about this Phoenix team, but I still am waiting, if I'm going to be completely honest, for them to probably just limp away towards the latter end of the season. Am I wrong? I hope you're wrong. Um, I, mm. Yeah, I, it feels like they have really um, organised themselves well. Chiefy's got them playing a slightly different brand of football that they, they played under Ufuk Tale, and they're mm. winning. Uh, and, you know, they've done a lot of it without their best strike, Oscar Zavada was injured. Came back, mm. scored a couple of goals, got injured again. He's out for a little bit longer now, uh, unfortunately. But they have, you've seen the, the ownership have actually, I think, been really proactive. They see an opportunity here to win a title, and they've put yeah. their hands in their pockets, and uh, they've actually brought in this guy. We haven't seen him yet. I think we'll play probably see him this weekend. Houston uh, Salas, who is a Costa Rican international. He played two games yep. at the last World Cup for Costa Rica. He plays for Sarasvisa, the uh, Costa Rican champions. They've won it the last three years in a row. They've brought him over. He can play in the midfield anywhere in the midfield. He can play right back as well. So they've brought him in to give them, A, someone who knows how to win, B, someone who's international quality, and C, someone that can fill a lot of positions um, and, and try and uh, get them over the line. So I think, yeah, they're doing really well. You know, And I'd argue, is he, that they don't mm. get as much recognition as they deserve because I think we hear as much, if not more, about the breakers. And, mm. you know, you look at the, their contrasting season, and I know the breakers have had a lot of injury issues, but the breakers are... They've got two games left. They need to win both to even make the playoffs. We're talking about a Phoenix team here who's 17 games through the season, are five points clear at the top with 10 games to go. Uh, they're in dominant position. Is there an argument to say because the Breakers have won a competition, but then you have a look at the NRL and the Warriors and the support mm. that they have in droves, and they've never won a competition. But there are diehard supporters out there. Is it a case of that we just don't follow football enough we don't see it in the headlines. We don't have the Lionel Messi's, the big-name players mm. that are playing in our team. Like You look at that, that team, and you look at the roster, and you compare it to other rosters in the A-League, where does it compare? How does it compare? Should we be this good? Well, no, no I don't think we should. You know, mm. like, on paper, if you if you like, uh, you know, there are better teams in, in, in Aussie. I mean, like, Melbourne City are mm. owned by Manchester City, right? That, that, mm. that Melbourne City team. Uh, they got pumped 5-1 by Brisbane at the weekend. That team on paper should not be getting pumped 5-1 by a very ordinary Brisbane team. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think it, it just shows what good coaching can do. I mean, Sydney FC have had... Uh, the biggest budget uh, for a long time in the A League, or you know, one of the one of the top two or three biggest budgets, they couldn't get it done um, there in the last couple mm. of years. They've brought a new Fuktello to try and change that around. The, the former Phoenix coach, so uh, you're starting to see that though, uh, that sign, uh, those signs of progression as well. So it, it, it does show that coaching at this level makes a difference. I think what the the, the difference is is you talked about you know uh, the Warriors never have never won the NRL, mm. but look at the fandom. And the mm. engagement, but I think the difference here is that the NRL is the best rugby league competition in the world. Yeah, yep. there are better football competitions in the world than the A League. Mm. You know, the Big Five in Europe for a start, Champions League. So while you you love your football and you can support the Phoenix and support the Auckland team that's coming in and everything, you know that that isn't the the best football in the world. I've had memories of Sky Stadium in Wellington. The Phoenix fans. 
are bred differently. They are so patriotic. They get their shirts off. They start waving it. They're the only stadium or, or footballing fan or fan base in New Zealand that are un- unique. They follow the the footballing mantra of really diehard fans. I don't know if I've seen that lately. Has the fan base dropped off? Like they had six thousand on the weekend. When you're comparing it to previous years, is it is six thousand kind of the middle? You know, the the top of the top of the mark for well, the football fans. No, I think I mean because the Waitangi Day they had that game on Waitangi mm. Day. I mm. mean, it was the third game in eight days, yep. right? And they and two of the last two were at home. Um, they had twelve and a half thousand on Waitangi. Mm. Um, so I, 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 you know, I think that that's that's something to do with it as well. But and that was I think three thousand more than that had all season. So I think they're probably averaging around six or seven. For people to start taking notice, Rick Dog, they got to win this comp. Yeah, hundred percent. You or you watch the crowds go up now. Crowds will start mm. edging up, you know, because people love to back a winner. Mm. That's okay. what it's about. That's what it's about. What yeah. about their play? Because I was reading this article and. and uh, Chief, the, the, the coach was talking about, we don't play a really, you know, um, exciting brand of, of football. You know, we don't score th- hundreds of goals. We, we win, we chip away, we're defensively sound. But a purist, you'd love that about a team, you know, a team like the Phoenix that defend with their hearts out. But the style of the play, are you, are you happy with how they're winning, the way that they're doing it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, you know, it's... um. You got to be a bit pragmatic if you want to win a title. You know, you've mm. said it before, not just in football but in other sports. You know, defense wins your titles. I remember mm. the first game of the season, the Phoenix went to Sydney, played Western Sydney Wanderers, who mm. were one of the preseason favourites. The Phoenix are never favourites in this comp ever, no matter what they're doing. They, you know, they they could be in the playoffs one year, and the next year the Aussie pundits will all go, "Oh, they're wooden spoon favourites. They're not going to do anything." It's just the way the Aussies are, uh, but. You know, and, and Giancarlo uh, Taliano set them up to not lose that game, right? Mm. So they went there to one of the title favourites, first game of the season, they got a point. They got a draw there. And and that's kind of how he's he's worked it. He's, um, they play football when they can. They play football when uh, teams uh, the other teams allow them to play football. But the, their first instinct is to defend and make sure they don't concede because if you don't concede in goals, you can't lose games. Well, this non-footballing fan is starting to take notice. It's um, it's an interesting debate, and hopefully they can continue it on. They take on MacArthur this week. Even if they lose, they'll still be top of the table. So the Phoenix are flying, Rick Dog. Yeah, and we're starting to take notice. Well, I am anyway. Yeah, that MacArthur game is going to be great too because there's a couple of ex uh, Phoenix players in that team. Clayton Lewis is in there, and Ulysses Devia, the Mexican, as well. Both play for MacArthur and uh, Curto as well, the keeper. So. Be a few boys coming uh, coming back to Wellington, so that's going to be a great uh, a great match too. Uh, two of the best teams in the league. It is seven away from seven o'clock here on SENZ. It's breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Couple of minutes away from uh, seven o'clock, and I don't know if you just heard that promo, uh, Izzy, for mornings uh, mm. with Louis and 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 Braden. Uh, Braden was bang on. Rasmus Hoyland to score the goal for Manchester United. So uh, they still lead 1-0. Not that the result matters. It was just Rasmus Hoyland to be the goal score, anytime goal scorer at three bucks. And that has earned uh, Christina, who was there listening to their show, 550 bucks with their multi. Aye. Yes. <laughs> oh, 
Don't do this to me, mate. <laughs> I feel sorry for Ian. I'm sorry, Ian. <laughs> uh, there you go. The fine margins, fine margins. In fact, in fact, very fine margins. I can tell you that uh, Manchester United have just conceded. Uh, Douglas Louise has scored for Villa. So 66 minutes in, it is now one all between Manchester United and Aston Villa. That is where that game sits at the moment. Beautiful. And just an update on the Phoenix Open, the Waste Management PGA Tour. Sahith Tagala is 14 under. But get this. Guess, guess who's circling? Guess who's circling and going to ruin him and create a nightmare from last year? Oh, Rory? Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler is 5 under and he broke Sahith Tagala's heart <laughs> when he bursted onto the scene. That was his. He got invited to the PGA Tour, Waste Management Open. He hadn't made the PGA Tour. He just got a sponsor's invitation, and he oh, came good. second, and now he has bursted on, and probably the hottest player on the PGA. Well, Scotty Shefflett is circling at five under, and it's still five holes to go. So hopefully he might break his heart again. Squeaky bum time, they call that. Mm. Don't they? Yeah, they're running, they're running, definitely, definitely. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to be talking NFL. Mike Carlson, an American living in London, he works for the BBC, commentates their games over there, uh, the NFL games over there. He's going to come on and talk Super Bowl with us. We'll do that shortly. Uh, time, though, to catch up with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. Here is Araha for you. It is six past seven here on SENZ. It is a breakfast with Izzy and Ricardo. Thanks to Kubota and uh, Izzy. Yeah, big Super Bowl Monday. Going to talk to Mike Carlson shortly mm. on this. Um, but you are all over the Chiefs here. Do you? Uh, no, I don't think even you can stop them. Can you? Mm, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not for my multi. I've got a wee multi gun. Uh, a same game multi for today. But do you know what? What really hurts mm. about this game yeah. and this player? Well, the offensive player of the year was CMC, Christian McCaffrey. He has been phenomenal for the 49ers. By far the best player. Would have gone close to MVP, but that uh, wasn't meant to be. It went to Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. Well, get this. You know who I'm supporting in the NFL. The Carolina Panthers. Well, he was eighth. Overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft, drafted by the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> how, how did they let him go, and how did he get away from the Carolina Panthers? The best player by far, running back for the 49ers, used to play for my team, and now he's doing it. He's going to the Super Bowl with the 49ers. and probably going to go close to MVP today. If it's not him, it'll be Patrick Mahomes. Um, I, I just it baffles me. Baffles me, Ricardo. Yeah, well, there's there's a, uh, a plenty uh, of talk that uh, Mike Carlson can give you on why that's happened, where it's happened, and uh, <laughs> what he thinks is going to happen. Burger Fuel's Iron Rebel is here for a limited tie time for Super Bowl Fifty Eight as well. And Mike Carlson does join us out of London. Good morning, Mike. How you doing? Ah, good morning to you. I'm doing. I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been a been a great afternoon so far. I I suffered through watching the uh, boredom of Ireland, Italy, but your boy James Lowe had had a good match for Ireland, and um, my dog my dog is very happy. I fed him, and I'm going to start cooking after we finish this conversation. Get, take a nap before the Super Bowl. 
Oh, Mike, we appreciate you coming on the show. James Lowe, yeah, he's the one that got away. And, well, because I didn't sign for Leinster, he took my contract and, well, it was a better offer by far for uh, Leinster <laughs> taking him and seeing what he's been able to do uh, for Ireland, mate. So they're looking hot favourites. But today is Super Bowl. And I know you're all over it. And I had a wee whinge just then because I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. And Christian McCaffrey was just voted. <laughs> Stop laughing. Stop laughing. <laughs> and Christian McCaffrey was voted off his player of the year for the 49ers. Well, he got drafted eighth overall in the 2017 NFL by the Carolina Panthers. How did they let him go, mate? Well, at the time, that was actually, it actually turned out to be a pretty good trade for both teams. And and the problem with McCaff- for McCaffrey at the Panthers was that they didn't really know how to use him, um, you know? And he has he has a blossomed. Simple, give him the ball, um, he'll run. In the, well, <laughs> it's not quite that simple because they the way that Ron Rivera was playing his offense, they ran him an awful lot just straight ahead between the tackles, man blocking, and and what he's really good at is zone blocking schemes where he's basically running to daylight, running to the hole that he sees. And and his particular skill, besides being strong, being very fast, is that he can squeeze himself through those holes so well. Mm. If you watch if you watch any 49ers game, the hole opens up, McCaffrey gets through it a step or maybe two, and then who's ever coming in to sort of close that hole, he just squeezes past. You know, he, they barely get a shot at him that way. And that's when he gets all those extra yardage. So, you know, I think the trade at that point made a certain mm. amount of sense for Carolina, who I think thought that they were going to be contenders, you know, after this. And Matt Rule thought he was going to um, use those draft picks. Because I think if I remember right, they gave up, I think it was three draft picks in – the next year's I was like second, third, and fourth, and they gave up another one in that year. So I thought they were they thought they were going to rebuild kind of with that. So it was fortunate for the 49ers because he certainly does make a huge difference to that offense. Yeah, uh, we we shouldn't even have the Carolina Panthers in the conversation for today's big game. They weren't even close. Disgusting, horrible, embarrassing season for them. Anyway, let's look forward. And I know what you mean with um, Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers O-line. His patience when he gets that ball from Brock Purdy, he waits, he waits, and the O-line does a job on, on the defensive line and then creates that little gap. Can you see the Chiefs? nullifying that because I know against the Lions, they actually, even though he scored two touchdowns, he was quite well contained throughout that game, I thought. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs, I can imagine some of the things they may may try to do because the importance of McCaffrey to that offense is partly that most of the offense runs off play action off of those runs or the threat of those runs from McCaffrey. And so Steve Spagnolo is one of the best defensive coordinators in terms of a one game game plan. You know, he was brilliant um, against the Giants, uh, against the Patriots for the Giants twice in two Super Bowls. He was very good um, against the Ravens in the AFC championship a couple of weeks ago. And I would guess that what he'll try to do is run blitz which is when you send your your extra blitzer, but not on a deep 
blitz. You're trying to just blitz him maybe two or three yards behind the line of scrimmage to disrupt that kind of movement. Or he might even try playing six men on the line so that he has someone outside the tackle or tight end on either side of the line to try to cut off that outside zone one, which really is the one that makes McCaffrey good. And to counter that, I would also not be surprised if you saw McCaffrey line up as a wide receiver more often in this game and also saw Debo Samuel, who's probably the, you know going to be fully healthy for this game. His shoulder's probably fully healed in the running back positions, you know, or maybe motioning him into running back positions. So you get the threat, the threat of McCaffrey and then um, moves outside. And then as the defense adjusts to that, they, they like to run Debo inside. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting chess match between Kyle Shanahan's offense and Spagnolo's defense. It's going to be a, a, interesting. The thing that I was having a read of uh, through some of the articles around uh, Mike was just about how uh, the 49ers can try and stop the running game. That's where they have been found out previously, right? So, uh, I mean, mm. most uh, experts seem to think it's going to be tight, but are backing the Chiefs to do it. Uh, if the 49ers are to win, what do they need to do? Yeah, they do need to stop that running game because the most interesting thing to me – um, and I was surprised that the Chiefs weren't the favorites in this game. Um, but I think the bookies are looking pretty much at the teams from the regular season. Um, and I think that's kind of unfair because the interesting thing about the Chiefs in the playoffs and actually the two games, um, well, the three games in the playoffs and the one game, um, the last game of the season, because at Christmas they got beaten by the Raiders. And after that game, it, it seems to me that Andy Reid – changed his offense and decided that it was time he stopped trying to hit the deep balls, which are the thing that have kept the Chiefs, you know, made the Chiefs so good with Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, it was getting frustrating for Mahomes to be hitting Kadarius Toney or McCole Hardman or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then they would drop the ball. So he went to a more old-fashioned kind of West Coast offense um, based on running the ball, based on throwing shorter passes to Travis Kelsey and and Rasheed Rice cutting across the middle. And that's what you saw in the, in the, the two games. And they let Spagnola's defense carry them. You know, in the second half against Baltimore, which they won 10-6, um, sorry, sorry um, 17-10, they only had three first downs in the whole second half. But Andy did not stop running the ball. And if you know Andy Reid, you know that every game he's ever coached, he wants to get away from the run. He doesn't like having to defend it. But Isaiah Pacheco, who's a really good runner, um, carried the ball 24 times in that game, only gained 68 yards. But they never left that. And they ate a lot of clock doing that. So I, I wonder whether their offensive line Line will be able to push the the Chiefs defensive line around the same way that Green Bay and Detroit both did. They both had a 100-yard rusher in those games. And the problem for San Francisco is mostly that they have two very good defensive tackles and they've got Nick Bosa on the end, but they don't have another end and they don't have a lot of depth because of injuries so that the rotation that keeps these big guys relatively fresh just isn't there. And that's that may be what the Chiefs are going to try to do. Now, the Chiefs 
um, don't have Joe Tooney at guard, and Nick Allegretti's not a bad substitute. He, you know, he's a guard who could start on a lot of teams, but they're also not that strong at tackle. Although that's more on pass blocking than run blocking, um, you know. So, so I think I think you're right that that's going to be a thing to watch. But I'm not convinced that the Chiefs will be able to capitalize on it as much as people think. When you put the two quarterbacks going head to head, you got Brock Purdy, and there's been a lot of articles and headlines in regards to their contract and differences. Uh, and when I talk differences, I talk the monetary side of it. Like Brock Purdy is on barely minimal up against Patty Mahomes. But when you put them up against each other, who are you more confident in? Who are you more leaning to, and why? Well, <laughs> yeah, Brock Purdy. There are quarterbacks in college because the colleges can now pay people for their, what do they call it, name, image, and likeness rights. So there's quarterbacks in college that are making twice or three times as much money as Brock Purdy is, um, which is kind of kind of a disgrace. Um, but, I mean, obviously, Patrick Mahomes, to me, is the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I say that meaning no kind of disrespect to people who love Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or whatever, but he's got that – he's got – the best sort of passing sense as well as the ability to escape the rush and combines them with that ability to be able to throw from strange angles. So if you think it comes down to a battle of the quarterbacks, you have to favor Patrick Mahomes um, as being a guy who can pull a play out of nothing. Now, Purdy gets denigrated a lot as being what they call a quote unquote game manager, but that offense requires someone who manages it he's a game manager in the same sense that joe montana was a game manager in the west the original west coast offense with bill walsh um and he does that very very well and we saw in the playoffs he had slow starts in both playoff games and then came back in the second half and the script the script with kyle shanahan who was remember the d- offensive coordinator in atlanta when they blew a 28 to 3 lead against the uh, Patriots, Mm. the script is that because Shanahan's offense is so structured and so dependent on play action, that if they fall behind and therefore have to throw the ball more and and defenses can disregard the whole concept of play action, that they become less effective. Well, it's true to an extent, but they came from behind in both their playoff wins. They were down 24-7 to Detroit at the half. And Purdy really played well in those second halves. He also ran the ball pretty well. He escaped the pocket a couple of times um, and carried it. So, you know, I, I think he's a very, very good fit for that offense. And yes, if it comes down to, you know, crunch time and one guy's got to make a play, you would you would have to sort of bet on Mahomes to be the guy to make the play. But I that doesn't mean I don't think Purdy has a bunch of big plays in him in this game. Do you think it's concerning? The last time they they took each other on in a Super Bowl, I was actually in attendance in Miami, and it was uh, they had a seventeen point lead, and you thought, okay, they'll be home and hose. But Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill found a way to grab Jimmy Garoppolo back and win Super Bowl in Miami. Could that be in the back of their minds, or is that those times are long gone? Really, how do you see this being scripted well, out? Yeah, it's pretty much long gone. I mean, one of the reasons I kind of like the Niners 
<laughs> sentimental. I was at that game too. I was doing it for BBC. And I thought the Niners had a couple of really bad breaks from the referee. There was a uh, offensive interference call on George Kittle toward the end of the first half, which might have got them a, a field goal. And Kyle Shanahan, bad time management in the end of the first half. Garoppolo got hit helmet to helmet very brutally at one point, and there was no flag. There was an uncalled offside, and there was a terrible hold on Bosa on the big play of the game, which was Mahomes when he threw that lob 40 yards downfield to to Tyreek Hill, who for some reason was uncovered on the other side of the field. Um, now, this Chiefs team doesn't have Tyreek Hill. Mm. And, you know, last year they were able to get away with it, um, partly because Juju Smith-Schuster played very well for them. Um, this year they haven't had anybody really step up in that sense. And so I think they're a better defensive team now than they were in that game. Um, and I think the Niners are probably a better offensive team now than they were in that game because I, McCaffrey and makes a huge difference to their offense and Ayuk has come come along really well. So, you know, I don't yeah. think you can kind of draw, you can kind of draw any really close, um, close parallels there. But, you know, when you, when, when we, you asked about um, Brock, Brock Purdy, you know, compare Purdy to Garoppolo. And Garoppolo was a fairly highly rated quarterback. Remember, Bill Belichick mm. wanted to move on from Brady for Garoppolo, you know, for Garoppolo as his quarterback of the future. And I think Purdy has pretty much played as well as um, as Garoppolo there. And, you know, just thinking about it, as I mentioned, the Tyreek Hill not being there, you know, Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling was, had the big play in the, in, in the uh, win against Baltimore, the one that kind of closed out the game last year in the Super Bowl. Kadarius Tony had two big plays um, in that Super Bowl. And um, in that game against the Niners in Miami, it was Jamal Williams who made the, you know, the big plays toward the end of the game. And no one, you know, he was not any someone that anyone was figuring would be the, the star of the game. So Andy has this knack of going to the options that, you know, that are at the bottom of your, I got to take care of this guy list um, yeah. in clutch times. And I wouldn't be surprised if somebody who, you know, we haven't really spoken about as being a potential star were to make a big play or two for Andy, especially in the second half. Mike, just before we let you go, I guess we, we, we need a prediction um, on the line, mm. you know, uh, which way you're going. <laughs> yeah, this has been a tough one for me because like I said, I have this kind of having been there in Miami, this kind of sentimental urge for the Niners to win um and like I said I didn't I I really didn't figure them to be the favorites um so I'm picking the Niners I understand perfectly if people are taking Kansas City plus the two and a half points um I think it'll be an under game and the under was 47 and a half last time I looked if it's an over game I think it'll be Kansas City and my favorite bet was I don't know if you can get it or not but a tight end to score a touchdown during the game was 19 to two. And I figure yeah. if you can get almost 10 to one on either Kelsey or Kittle or somebody else scoring a touchdown, that's a pretty good bet. That's a very oh. good bet. That's a very good bet, Mike Carlson. Thanks very much for the tip. We're going to go searching for that now. Appreciate your time. Enjoy the Super Bowl, man. Thanks, Mike.
Thanks, I'm sure I will. Cheers, Mike Carlson there talking Super Bowl with us. SENZ Super Bowl 58 coverage brought to you by Burger Fuels Iron Rebel. Don't stay on the bench. Tackle this limited time burger now. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think we need to do some delving. (laughs) We need to do some delving, Izzy. And if we can't find it, there's some questions to be had for Paul Mawati when we get him on at 8.30. It is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now. Keep your texts rolling through on double eight double three. Who you think's going to win that Super Bowl? You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land pride attachments. It is seven twenty nine oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven or double eight double three is how you get hold of us. Uh, it is tradies hour with night and day. Warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee, starting at just four dollars fifty at your local night and day. A few texts that have come through, and uh, a lot of people are backing the Kansas City Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. That is interesting hearing from Mike Carlson on that. He's gone the Niners. ESPN, uh, they got all their analysts, all their experts together, uh, sixty four of them. And of the 64, 49 picked the Chiefs, 15 picked the Niners, uh, but 52 of them also predicted it would be less than a touchdown, the difference uh, in the uh, the winning margin. So there you go. It is going to be a tight game. Looking forward to that, and uh, we will be talking more about it later in the show as well. Time to catch up now with Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. 28 away from 8 o'clock. Thank you for that, Araha. Uh, here... Uh, we have a choices flooring poll for you, and it's a pretty easy one today. Two choices for you. Design, visualize, and create your perfect floor with room view. Your choices flooring poll. Who wins the Super Bowl? The Chiefs or the 49ers? Just go to the SEN app, hit SENZ Breakfast, and you'll find uh, the poll there. You can vote on that, and we will bring you the results of that poll uh, in around an hour's time. Discover your signature style and enjoy a virtual design experience with Choices Flooring's Room View. Time for some sports headlines now, thanks to Kenard Tire. Get the Kenoth feeling with Kenard Tire. And uh, is he some Super Bowl news for you? And I don't know how much of of a difference this will make, but the Kansas City Chiefs will play the Super Bowl without all-pro guard Joe Tooney because of a pictorial injury. Now, Tooney was injured during the Chiefs' divisional round playoff victory over the Bills. He didn't play in the AFC Championship game against the Ravens either. The Chiefs had some hope heading to Vegas that uh, with that extra week off, he'd come through, but he didn't practice all week, and the Chiefs have listed him as out for the game on their final injury report. They're also missing Kadarius uh, Tony. Who uh, mm-hmm. they who helped them win the Super Bowl against Kansas, uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles last time out? But he struggled with injuries this season. Make a difference, do you think, for Kansas City? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's an experienced player. He's won three time Super Bowl with them. Um, he's played over a hundred games of NFL, so a lot of experience there. Um, but I don't know this this Chiefs team just seems to find a way. They've lost so much so much talent over the last couple of years particularly with Tyreek Hill when he left, Juju Schuster. Like just a lot of options for Patrick Mahomes. At the moment, he's got Travis Kelsey, and that that has proved to be unstoppable um, throughout this year's um, NFL. So, yeah, it's a huge loss. They lose a lot of experience. But Andy Reid will, will find a way, mate. I don't know how they're not favourites when mm. you've got um, Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey, two of the biggest names in the NFL. And just they just seem to find they they shouldn't have beaten the Eagles last year, 
They were down by plenty. Mm. Jalen Hurts had that team humming, and they came back, and Paddy Mahomes was on one, one leg. He had a pretty injured ankle, so he wasn't able to manoeuvre around the park. But they still found a way. So you, you just never write this Kansas City Chiefs team off. Um, but, yeah, huge loss, Joe Thurney. Yeah, now uh, 0800 150 is how you get hold of us. Brett, uh, the president of the New Zealand Miami Dolphins fan club, has called through. <laughs> uh, g'day, Brett. How are you feeling about today, mate, and who do you want to win? Morning, Ricardo. Morning, Israel. Um, I'm going with KC. Um, just for what you just said, is he that Mahomes factor? So I've already backed him in that five and under at 264. I watched the when the Ravens played San Fran in San Francisco, I think it was the Christmas Day game their time. They got wasted by Lamar, mm. and just the, the mm. way that Patty tore up that Baltimore team. In the AFC Championship game, I, I just can't see that dude losing. He's already lost the Super Bowl, and I think that's more of a factor than the ones that he's won. Mm. Like how yeah. they talk about, oh, you got to lose one to win one. Right, he's been there, done both. Yeah. I went to Tarapa on the weekend. I went in my car, though. Um, the chopper didn't turn up so <laughs> to pick me up. You went in there, looked at fill up. Little Don't ones, I've got rivet on four-figure ones. I've got rivet on two four-figure ones with uh, Adam I Am and Chris Shetty, buggers. Uh, oh, mate, racing at Tarapa. Don't you start. Stop making up rumours about that, Hallie. Anyway, mate, we'll let you go there, um, Freddie from Huntley. Mate, just quickly, Miami Dolphins are here. Everyone's wanting to play with Tua. Is that the rumour true? Uh, I don't know about I think people just want to play in Miami, but we've got to go play in all those cold places instead of playing in South Beach. We don't play at home enough, and we need our linebackers back. Jalen Phillips, uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Bradley Chubb, they all got injured towards the end of that season. That just ruined our defense. So hopefully, fingers crossed, go again. Hold on to the back of the speedboat, Gus. Yeah, all right. There we go, Brady. Go well, mate. Enjoy yeah. the Super Bowl today. Uh, and just uh, finally on the sports news headlines, uh, is he? You know, people that can hold a grudge. Mm-hmm. Me. You know yep. Yeah. No one. No one holds a grudge like the Chinese government. Um, Argentina's friendly against the mm. Ivory Coast, which was scheduled to be held in Beijing in March, has been cancelled. The Chinese city, uh, Chinese cities football association, said on Saturday after backlash because Lionel Messi failed to play in the match in Hong Kong that Inter Miami with, were uh, on on tour. Beijing's announcement comes a day after Hangzhou Sports Authorities also cancelled the friendly between Argentina and Nigeria, supposed to be hosted in uh, in China as well, saying Beijing does not plan for the moment to organise a match that Lionel Messi, Lionel Messi will participate in. Basically, he was supposed to play in this game for Inter Miami in Hong Kong. Didn't because they said he was injured, and three days later came off the bench to play in the game in Japan. And they've seen oh. it as a personal affront. Now they've cancelled anything to do with Lionel Messi <laughs> in China. Oh man, that is crazy. <laughs> that look, they they tend to do things differently over in China, and uh, when they have that much power and money at their disposal, they can do what they needed to do. Eh, Lionel Messi. Do you think Messi Reading a cares? bit of havoc in China, you wouldn't want to be him going to China. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, mate, you just 
be like, all right, that's one place I, I never need to go again. Thanks very much. Uh, from <laughs> big jobs to even bigger jobs, get the Keno feeling with Kennard's Hire. Uh, you are listening to SENZ, Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast. It is 22 away from 8. It is night and day's a tradies hour. You can uh, warm yourself up with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50, 16 away from 8. And Izzy, I've just been reading about this enhanced games. Uh, this guy, Aaron De Souza has uh, basically come in and said, look, you know, I want to do an Olympics, but I want everybody to be allowed to take whatever they want to be as good <laughs> as they want. Um, and now uh, former Aussie swim star James Magnuson has said he's going to do it. He's accepted an opportunity. He will earn a US $1 million mm. if he can break the world 50-metre freestyle record. He's only 32, but he retired back five years ago. He retired at 27. Where are you on this enhanced games? Oh, I think it's appalling, isn't it? I think it's, you know, like, he's obviously doing it for the cash, but it's pretty controversial with what's going on over in Russia and the way that the sport has been doubt. I don't think it'll have any. It won't have any credibility at all, really. Like these, like people going out of their way to cheat to get a get a result, and then try and you know pull the wool over people's eyes, and then getting caught out in the end. Where are they now? They're gone. No one even respects them one bit. So this guy's putting his, you know, credentials on the line here, and he's going to be known for a very long time as a guy that's been open to... So this is a guy that that question puts questions to the when he competed, mm. his results through his career. If he's open and willing to take performance-enhancing drugs right now, what does that say about the past? Could he have done it in the past? So uh, this is a big no-no for me. Big no-no. All right, it was just reminded me of Willie Nelson, uh, the country yeah. singer. He was asked about Lance Armstrong because they're both from Texas. And he said, I think it's just terrible and disgusting how everyone has treated Lance Armstrong, especially after what he achieved winning seven Tour de France races while on drugs. When I was on drugs, I couldn't even find my bike. <laughs> <laughs> not, not sure if he's on the same page as everyone else. He's on different drugs, mate. He's on different drugs. Different okay. drugs. Um, a man who's clean as a whistle is Joey from Gizzy, and he is over in uh, Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. G'day, Joey. How you doing? Yeah, morning, boys. How are we charging? Yeah, good, mate. Good. How's how's Vegas? How's the how's the atmosphere? Is it building? Plenty of enhanced fans over here, gentlemen. <laughs> it's uh, it's been a it's been a week of uh, hammer down and uh, not much sleep, but plenty of adventures. And uh, yeah, it's outstanding. We're uh, we're staying down the old part of Vegas, down off Fremont Street, where you've got the Golden Nugget and the Plaza and Binions. And it's just all atmosphere. There's two and a half million people come to Vegas this week. Wow. Joey, Joey, you've been there for a week. I can hear it in your voice, mate. You're hurting and you've still got the biggest <laughs> vent to, to that's about to come, mate. Well, tell us what you've been up to this week. I know you've been doing plenty. Hey, Dagger, we're not hurting. Eh? We're just pacing ourselves, son. So we blew into <laughs> LA and we, uh, we went for a private tour of Sopa, the SoFi Stadium which yep. is the home of the LA Chargers, and that was just a legit $2.5 billion stadium. So we got to run around in there for a couple of hours and then uh, did a few strategic stops in uh, Long Beach in LA, beginning with H and ending in S, and then uh, came on down to Vegas, and then we were into the uh, Las Vegas Black Knights, or the Golden Knights as they're called over here. Same guy who owns the new Auckland franchise owns this team. 
So I went in there watched them slap the Edmonton Oilers the other night. And that was a really interesting game. Great fan engagement. That's one thing that you see here in all the sports. Went to live golf. You know, caught up with Danny Lee and Sam Pinfold and uh, had a beer with Johnny Rahm and a few other boys. And yeah, just uh, the access here, phenomenal. I went out to UFC yesterday. Um, we caught up with a, a boy whose mum's from Gisborne and his dad's from Samoa, Maliki Manu, who's in the power slap game. And mm. uh, so he won his fight against a big South African boy. So we were out there the other night. Went to see you two at the Sphere. Blow your mind, that is absolutely <laughs> out, out of this world, bro. And then picked up a Lambo Hurricane and a GT3 Porsche for a day. Flew around <laughs> Vegas and blew out to Boulder City. And and then uh, we've been we've been an interview experience. We're going to hang out with Bill Burr, the comedian and podcaster. And did a gig wow. there. And we just blagged our way into everything, bro. <laughs> hang out with Jordan Mylanta. Jordan Mylanta from the, from the Rabbitohs at the NFL experience. Jumped a queue of 1,000 people. Talked to a guy from Toyota who loves the All Blacks. Name dropped Izzy Dag and a few guys. Put us into the booth with Jordan and with Jordan Mylanta and Devontae Adams, who's I'm a Packers fan. And he, you know, he, he got sold from the Packers to the Raiders. So I hung out with him for half an hour and then we jumped on the ESPN set with Dan Foskey, who's calling the game in Australia and New Zealand today. Had an interview with him. Uh, we just roll up, tell him we're from New Zealand, blag it, and they'd open the door for us. <laughs> So it's been pumping, boys. We've been running about got, three hours sleep. Have you got any change left? Mate, we had a huge night last night. We were up six large last night. So, yeah, that paid, that paid for the seat, which cost me 5500 US. So, um, yeah. So I'll be able to take that home to mum and you might get back in the good books. But, um, now, nah, boys, it's just uh, it's a city on, on, on 24. They say New York doesn't sleep. Mate, this city is just charging. And all the fans are here, you know. People are coming for the experience. Fremont Street, it's got the biggest LED screen in America on it, and it's just a party the whole time. So much promotion. Like the NFL have come here and like decorated the city, and it's a big city if you've ever been to Vegas, the Strip. Mm. Um, the NFL experience, like we went to, the, we went to five World Cups, as you know that. Yeah. The NFL experience, you pay $20 and kids are free, and you're in there for eight hours, and your interaction, giveaways, hands-on with the players it's just different level the way that they promote it and we, mm. we went to an nfl private function the other night talking to one of the guys in there who's part of their team who does super bowl promotion they spent they spent 600 million here uh, in, in the last two years to promote the game in here and um, like ticket prices at the moment this morning this morning ticket price still going for around seven eight thousand us we got off, hey, this, I was thinking about you this the other day. Guy offered us 10 seats in a box, $2 million. I said, if Izzy was here, he would have hooked us up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 10 tickets, $2 million. Was that Floyd Mayweather? $2 million. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, a, there's a place right behind the goal line called the Winfield Club, and this guy owns it. He owns a Winfield oh. Club here in, here in uh, Vegas. And uh, yeah, we went in there and we chatted away to him. He's like, yeah, and I got one table left. It's two million, you know, unlimited drinks, you know, pre-post game, wah, wah, wah. Well, like, bro, <laughs> that's so far out of our league. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, but we tried to blag our way in there for free, but it didn't work. So that's about the only thing we haven't been given access to. But we've been having oh, a cracking time, boys. It's a, it's a bucket list thing, to, you know, for, for anyone to come and do. And um, a lot of the fans here are just flying in for the experience and then watching the game. All the hotels have watch parties. You know, and then they're, they're just quite happy to be here with the atmosphere. So it's been a magic, Joey, been a magic week so far. 
Joey, it sounds like a week to dream of. You've done it a couple of times, mate. Is this is this something different being in Vegas? Yeah, I went to Super Bowl in Dallas when they opened the new stadium there. Very different. The pricing's different. The people are different. Yeah, and also the team support. Like 49 is a Californian team, right? So they're just up the road. They're a they're a three hour drive away or a 40 minute flight. There's a lot of 49er fans here. Whereas when when I went to one and I saw uh, Pittsburgh play. Not a lot of Pittsburgh fans were there when they won. But it's, um, yeah, it's got a different vibe. It's winter here in Nevada. And so you snow in all the ranges. It's it's sunny, but it's cold. So it has a different feel. The last one I went to um, in Tampa was hot. You know, it's like 30, 40 degrees and real hot. So the whole vibe's different. But it's, um, it, it, the town is just, the 10x the price on everything. Like we went to the, we, we went to the hockey and a few other UFC, $3 beer is 40 New Zealand dollars for a beer, for a $3 can of beer. Wow. Well, actually, I've got uh, some friends who have just been in uh, Vegas. They went and saw you 2 at the Sphere. I mentioned this the other day. Cost them for two vodka Red Bulls, $96 US. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they were buying because that was pretty cheap. Um, <laughs> we, we bought two tickets and it cost me a sit-down, a sit-down Rick Dog. It cost me 1900 New Zealand dollars for two tickets. Oh, yeah. Well, well yeah, I don't know how much the tickets cost them, but two vodka Red Bulls cost them 96 bucks. That sounded ridiculous enough to me, mate. Good stuff, Joey. Go well, brother. We, uh, enjoy it. Mate, we'll go well. Get up the Chiefs. See you, boys. <laughs> See you, mate. Here we go. Here's Joey. Joey from Gizzy. Uh, sounds like he's having the hey, time of his this, life. That trip will be costing plenty. That's why he is a part of the elite <laughs> TAB Punters Club. <laughs> Seven away from eight. You're listening to Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast on SENZ. Thanks to Kubota. And it is a couple of minutes away from eight o'clock. Double eight, double three is the Temper Bedpost text machine. It is Tradies Hour with night and day. Warm yourself up with a hell of a coffee from just four dollars fifty. A few uh, texts coming through. Izzy Morena, Izzy. I jumped on my forty nine on the forty ers now after my Lions got knocked out. It's me and my bro Joey Bell. Uh, I think they mm. might they might be sharing tissues. Yeah, they might be. They might be. Uh, Joey Bell. Yeah, he's a diehard forty ers fan, so he'll be happy as hell that. They're in the Super Bowl today, and um, yeah, there's a couple of houses coming through on the text machine. Don't know where he's getting those tight end TD odds. Kelsey himself is only paying $2.10. Could be first TD. That is from Duncan. Well, I just had a look at a boosted odds market, and there's a um, boosted odd to $7.50 for Travis Kelsey first quarter anytime touchdown scorer. Mm. And well, if you remember that game against the Ravens, first touchdown, Travis Kelsey. Paddy Mahomes. They tend to get off to a hot start, so that could be a good bet. Sorry, Daggy. I wore a Scotland singlet overnight before their game. Must have been me that stopped them. Lucky I took either team by seven or under. That's from Mark. That was you, Mark. That was definitely Mark. Definitely, Mark. Coming up in the next hour, we are going to catch up with Paul Mawati. Uh, we are going to talk some racing as well. Love racing update. And Noel Barclay on football right now. Though, here is Araha with news for Kubota. Take any job this summer with Kubota's range. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into the show just after 8 o'clock. Uh, it is Izzy and Ricardo for breakfast thanks to Kubota. And coming up this hour, we're going to talk love racing uh, before 9. Also, Paul Mawati from the, the TAB. And what is a big day for the TAB with uh, Super Bowl Monday being on as well. And Paulie's a big NFL fan. Be interesting to get his take on that. And Noel Barclay joining us shortly to talk football as well. Uh, Izzy, mm. I know you've talked... Uh, only a couple of weeks ago about how uh, you talked 
Bowden Barrett and Dillian, you take a kick from 50 metres because your agent said it'd get you another zero on your cheque to go overseas. Um, But how's this? A game in the championship today between Millwall and Coventry. It was tied up at one all. Coventry got a penalty and then this happened. More of the ball in, in, you know, and penetrate in, in more dangerous areas and, and Hadji's finished off two. One with a penalty that he's he's finished himself and I think there was a bit of rock, paper, scissors between him and Callum. I'm, like, I'm going to kill him. And then... Um, Who was supposed to take it? I, did, I hadn't named a penalty taker, but right. Hadji took them all the time in, in Turkey. Took them all the time and, and, and was really good. So I didn't have a, a, an issue with it. Right. Callum scored the last one, but uh, I think he was... I think he was devastated because they were fighting. But ultimately, it's gone in the back of the net and we don't have to worry about that, but I'll, I'll be talking to him about it. So the match-winning penalty, they decided it was going to take it by doing paper, scissors, rock on the penalty spot. <laughs> I love that. That is gold. And what would have happened if he missed it? Well, the person that, well, what does that say? That it's not confident enough? Well, or they were just both eager to take it and, and get the glory. I would say, I would have to say that some of that's got to be on the manager. He just said there that he hadn't actually named a penalty taker, but Hadji's always taking them. So I mm. guess, you know, you, you get that situation where somebody feels up for it and they, they want to have a crack. And maybe that's mm. how the players decided to settle it. Noel Barclay would have been in that position uh, before. He scored plenty of goals in his career. Noel, good morning to you, mate. You ever play paper, rock, scissors to see who got to take a pen? Mate, absolutely not. I, every time we got a penalty, I grabbed the ball and I took the penalty <laughs> with the way it was. And if you missed, you maybe didn't get on the next time, but uh, I didn't miss too many. Uh, didn't miss too many, mate. Uh, uh, have you ever seen anything like that of of two players doing paper, rock, scissors to take the penalty in a championship game to win the game? Yeah, no, no, I mean, at a pretty high level, it's pretty unusual. I guess the worst thing I've ever had seen is two players, you know, having a real scrap with the ball and almost sort of punching each other, and and the strongest wins. But uh, yeah, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, very crazy, mate. Very crazy. Uh, you'd be a happy man after this morning's performance. Manchester United 2, Aston Villa 1 at Villa Park as well. It's uh, not too often that Eric Ten Hag's team has gone away to a top four side and, and, and come away with uh, uh, three points. Yeah, well, I think they were saying they, they got one point in, in away games against top nine sides, something ridiculous like that. So it was an opportunity for Ten Hag to put um, recent um, indiscretions behind him. Uh, and it's amazing you can forget all the bad stuff when you when you go there and win and uh, unbeaten in 24. Um, probably we're a bit lucky, you know. I had a couple of people text me to say it was daylight robbery. But, um, yeah, we, we wrote our luck and, you know, Scott comes on and does what Scott sometimes can do. And uh, a great win, Villa, in, in a bit of a mini crash, to be honest, right now. Yeah, they are. They uh, certainly started to fall away, mate. Uh, how big was Arsenal's win this morning? 6-0 away at West Ham. Certainly uh, means that uh, Liverpool and Man City don't have it all to themselves. Well, I think that's a good thing. Um, I think we, we want a we wanna top four where it's a bit more exciting than what it has been in recent years. Um, Liverpool rode their luck and probably... You know, um, definitely back against Burnley. Burnley missed so many chances. Arsenal were absolutely devastating. Um, and it was embarrassing, um, especially from corners and so on. Defensively, West Ham were just awful. And of course, City go marching on. Um, Spurs doing what Ange has been doing all year by, by playing the opposition and uh, getting the job done. And yeah, look, it's, it's an exciting run in. Um, I still, I still think City are best equipped. Haaland back. Um, sniffing around, looking dangerous. 
uh, great goal on the weekend. Um, but, you know, hopefully Arsenal will give him a run, you know. I mean, Liverpool, I think, will drop off. And I know they've got Salah to come. Um, obviously, he's a month or so away. But um, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. And uh, I don't see any real changes in that top four. I think Villa losing today sort of pushes them out. The rumours around five Champions League spots, and maybe that's what Villa, United, and Newcastle, probably West Ham, not good enough. We'll fight after. No, it's hard to believe that that was Erlen Haaland's first goal in 77 days, mate. Um, what have you made of his season today? I know he's had a little bit of injury concerns. Yeah, first goal in, in what, 70 odd days, and he's still the top yeah. goal scorer in the league. I think that, yeah. <laughs> I think that says it all. The guy takes a break for a couple of months, and he comes yeah. back and um, looked dangerous. Um, fantastic goal. Um, <clears throat> he's just perfect for them. He was Bruyne again, setting him up on, on an assist. Um, look, he, he's, a, he's a phenomenal, really, a physical. I don't think he's an amazing footballer. You know, he, you can't compare him to the likes of Mbappe and. And um, Vicious Junior and stuff like that. I don't think so, but I think as an absolute goal scorer, he he's such a threat. He's fast, strong. Um, he misses a few, um, but it just means that he gets he keeps getting in those positions where he doesn't care. He's going to finish most of the time, and uh, yeah, phenomenal. And, and I think he's the edge now with him back and him back. Yeah, he and De Bruyne looking very good for Man City, mate. What, what about uh, closer to home, the Phoenix, uh, top of the A-League, five points clear now after that win against Weston and a big game this weekend against MacArthur. Yeah, like I think we're, we're all probably still scratching our heads a little bit to, to sort of, you know, try to figure that out. I mean, the other thing is, too, I mean, in the last two games pre- previous to the weekend, they probably should have got more points. They could have been sort of eight or nine points clear. Um, and then they're sort of guaranteed to sort of be maybe getting one of those home semifinals. It wasn't flashing the weekend again against the bottom team. I didn't think it was 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 a great game, but they just, um, you know, when you win an ugly win, you're at the top of the league. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You could see at the end of the game the players were, you know, patting each other and and getting together in a huddle. And and there is an a extremely good team culture in it this year. Um, that I haven't seen before, and I think that's the difference. <clears throat> you know, they obviously with Savada not there, um, they do look a little bit sort of pointless up top. Um, Cryoff doing well, obviously Costas had a good season, but they really are lacking a little bit of sort of forward initiative. So hopefully this this import's going to going to help. Maybe Savada will get back in the business end. But look, you, I, I, they're not playing great, I don't think. But um, it's a bit of a crazy league when you sort of see both the Melbourne teams lose the way they did. And then Sydney win one week, and then win and lose the next week. Western City wanders on the slide. So yeah, look, you know, fair play to them. Um, it's an amazing turnaround. And uh, when everybody was predicting them bottom, and here they are, five points clear. That's massive. Are Wellington Phoenix getting the attention they deserve? No, there was a headline I read after the weekend. Are they painting the picture, or potentially going to box on and, and take out this championship? And if they do. What does that say about this franchise and particularly Chiefy, the um, the head coach? Well, head coach is a star right now in my eyes, and I think people mm. people are starting to give him the credit that he deserves. I don't think football in this country ever gets what it deserves, you know. And you know, unless it's a World Cup qualifier. Um, but I think back to the uh, I'm not sure was it 2011 season when they did qualify for the playoffs. Um, and you know, there was I was at both games, and there's 25, 30 thousand. It, it's it's sky. Um, Sky Stadium 
and um, you know it was pretty amazing. So I mean, they're, just, they're not far away from that now. You know, they just got to keep going. I mean, MacArthur away is tough because MacArthur is sort of the quiet mover in in this league. Um, very good results. Um, obviously, a couple of Kiwis there now. So um, look, they just got to keep the heads down. Um, you know, if, if you're winning every week. Um, and even if you're not playing well and you're still getting points, um, they won't care about that. And um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, home playoff would just be amazing, and um, I, I would say we'd, I think we'd, we'd get another 25 down there. And Wellington people will finally come out and support you know the best football team in the country. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, Noel, thanks very much for coming on this morning, mate. Uh, I'll let you go and enjoy that United victory, eh? Beautiful, thank you. Cheers. Noel Barclay there, former All-White striker, with us talking football. You're listening to SENZ Breakfast, powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors and land pride attachments. When we come back, we're talking Six Nations with Sky Rugby commentator Miles Harrison. It is 18 past eight here on your Monday morning and joining us now uh, out of Ireland, I believe he's in Dublin, Miles Harrison, uh, the, uh, the rugby commentator uh, for Sky Sports in the UK. G'day, Miles. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, in Ireland, just uh, watched Ireland pretty well put away Italy to nil them for the first time in their history. They're looking good again, the Irish. They really are. It's hard to believe um, a Johnny Sexton list Irish team can can go along and continue this fine form. Has it been surprising for you, Miles? Uh, no, because I think Jack Crowley is a really good player. I, I suppose mm. the slightly surprising element, and maybe surprise is the wrong word, but he, he's got there perhaps a bit quicker to where mm. the level he's been playing at in the, these two games than maybe we expected. But there was an awful lot in the locker there that was waiting to come out. He'd been patient. He'd done his uh, apprenticeship, as it were. Uh, and I suppose what's really impressive, anybody who takes over from a truly great player, mm. no matter what they say or what they think, uh, it, that has to weigh heavily on their shoulders. And he's looked like, is to the man of born. I thought his uh, performance in Marseille w- was really good, uh, and he continued that today. There was a couple of lovely moments in the first half, a no-look pass to put Keenan in on that lovely line that he ran, uh, and you could see that confidence growing all the time. He moved to full-back at the end of the match to accommodate the uh, the injury, this injury to Keenan, uh, but uh, when he was at 10, I-, I thought he looked the real deal, and can't go over the top, long way to go in his career, but excellent foundations have been laid, and I think he's taking his opportunity superbly. Uh, for a 10 to operate at a level that they have done for so long, you've got to have a nice, solid nine in that position. And Jamison Gibson-Park, for me, has been a surprise um, package for how well he has gone for Ireland rugby, not only Ireland and in Leinster. Mate, um, how highly regarded is he regarded over in the north? Very highly regarded. I think if you're picking a Lions team at the moment, I mm. think Jamison Gibson Park would be the starting nine for the Lions. Uh, yep. You know, he's got himself in that position. His form, his consistency, always attaining that level. I mean, he came on for ten minutes today. He was clearly being slightly protected. It was his rest yep. game, as it were. Uh, and they wanted to see how young Craig Casey could go from the off. Uh, and had they been unhappy with Casey, I'm sure Andy Farrell would have made that change quicker. He, 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 they weren't unhappy, and I think Casey really ticked a lot of personal boxes for him today. It had a good day, but as well as Casey played, and I think he would acknowledge it himself. You know, Gibson Park is on another 
level at the moment. Mm. That's where Casey aspires to be. And even in 10 minutes at the end, you can see exactly what Gibson Park brings to this Irish team. In many ways, he sets the tempo. Obviously, the nine, as you well know, is that is that vital link uh, between, between forwards and backs in so many occasions during the game. But uh, it's more than a link. It's someone who can almost judge the temperature of the game, decide when to go, when not to go, right up there alongside the 10. And I, I think Gibson Park plays that role superbly too. And, and we will see him involved with the Lions if he can maintain his fitness, I'm sure, when they go to Australia in 25. Well, we saw Ireland, obviously, as you mentioned, um, give Italy the big duck egg uh, the, the first weekend. Uh, England really struggled to put them away uh, over in Italy. Given that England are the only other team that is and 2-0, so far, is is the Six Nations Islands pretty much already? I mean, there seems to be that gap between those two teams. Uh, it's not theirs already. I think that's going a little bit too far. But I know where you're going with that, and it, it's mm. being reflected in you know, opinions over here and how things are immediately being reported in the aftermath of this weekend. I have to say, I thought yesterday's games were pretty average: Scotland, France, uh, England, Wales. Uh, they had their moments and they held attention because they were close. But Ireland putting 36 on Italy, they perhaps will be disappointed they didn't get more. Again, they've walked off the field thinking there's things to work on, we're going well. But just as they said in Marseille, almost quite remarkably to some, that their immediate reaction is to where they are as a team, it's where they are mentally at the moment. They they were quite critical of their performance and said there were some big work-ons, even though they got such a big victory in France and in Marseille as well and quietening that crowd. I think what I'm coming around to saying is, and it's agreeing with your point to a certain extent, you know, Ireland are at this stage in a different league, but they haven't won it yet. And they know that to go to Twickenham in round four, they've got Wales at home and Scotland at home. Neither will be walkovers, especially the way Wales have started to play in this tournament. And Scotland really should have beaten France yesterday. So there's there's nothing given about those games, but I think Ireland will start strong favourites for both of those in Dublin. There'll be favourites at Twickenham as well. But I think we all know that England on their day, if they can get it right. And this new-look England team with a little bit more time together, a little bit more time to evolve in the tournament. Let's see how they go up in Edinburgh in round three. But also, when they get back at Twickenham, there is that Twickenham element, and they are hard to beat on their own patch. So Ireland will not be taking that leg of their seemingly uh, strong trip towards another Grand Slam. They won't be taking that lightly. What are the other favourites in the Six Nations? And the, a team that was talked about a lot was the French. Um, obviously, went down against the Irish last week, but found a way to come back. Controversial, some may say, against Scotland. What did you make of that decision at the end of that game? So much to talk about. How, how do we condense it? <laughs> I, 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 think, I suppose what you say is it looked to me like it was a try. It felt mm. like a try. I think... Um, you could hear the TMO trying to steer the referee to changing his on-field decision of no try towards try. But then there was a lot of confidence in that and a request mm. for one more angle to make sure. And because of the on-field question, I can totally understand why the TMO could not find that total 100% evidence to prove conclusively that the referee had got it wrong on the field. I think, though, 
my own feeling, and I think reflected by quite a lot of pundits watching the game, feel that it was in the 90% that that was scored, possibly as close as you get to 100%. Because if it wasn't on the floor, what else was it on? And I think if it had been played in real time, you'd have seen how... Uh, little time it was spent on the foot and the leg before it went to the ground. So it wasn't as like like it was held up for a long period on the foot. So, yeah, it, it felt like a try. It sort of looked like a try, but it wasn't given as a try, I suppose, for understandable reasons. But that's not going to assuage the anger in Scotland. They feel that that was their chance to be played 2-1-2 and looking at England at home in round three, Italy and Rome round four, they could well have been going to Dublin themselves for a Grand Slam match, a head-to-head for the Grand Slam. Both Ireland and Scotland played 4-1-4 at that stage. Again, that's maybe getting a bit too carried away, but I can see why Scottish fans would think like that. Oh, there's anger on SENZ too, uh, Miles, because we had a multi-gun, and that was our final leg for Scotland <laughs> to beat France 12-under. And uh, it went down to the final minute, and it wasn't meant to be. What have you made of the tactics? Particularly when I say tactics, I say the kick tennis law, because the French have adopted, uh, they feel like it's a loophole in the game where they kick the ball down, and if you're outside the 10-meter, you can stand still, and it's turning into a... It's turning into a bit of a debacle at the moment. Is the loophole getting exposed and will the laws become, will they be changed? Yes and yes, I think, is the answer to that direct question. I think it is a loophole. It is getting exposed. And I think that an action will have to be taken in the light of how it's being played at the moment. Look, I'm not one of those people that dismisses the kicking game. It is a major part of rugby union at the moment. There's an awful lot of skill in it, an awful lot of skill. And, you know, if explained at the time... Uh, that can be incorporated into a very positive view of the skills on show out there. And we just can't Mm. sort of strip the game of that, those kind of skills and those kinds of abilities. We must appreciate why it's happening out there and how it adds to the spectacle in terms of, you know, what the teams are trying to get out of it. Having said that, it is not a good look to a wider audience when there are players, big, strong guys out there just standing statically as this kick tennis takes place. And that's my problem with it. That's when it doesn't become a good look if it goes on for a long, long time. And both teams totally and utterly buy into it. And they're trying to sort of outdo each other. And and during the second half and that that spell of kick tennis, if, if you want to call it that, that we watched yesterday, that's when I started to wince a little bit. As There's some skill out there but it's gone a little bit too far because of the static nature of the response of the players. And I think that has to be addressed. And that is where the law change has to occur. But you're right, France have spotted it and you can't blame them for doing it. Uh, and, And it's caught on elsewhere and you can't blame coaches or players for thinking like that as well. Miles, uh, we always have an eye on what uh, Warren Gatlin is doing up uh, down here for, for obvious reasons. Um, he's in a rebuild. They've had two games so far. They haven't won either of them. But they've come very close against two of the better sides in the Six Nations. How do you think Wales are tracking under him with this rebuild? And are they a further ahead of the curve than where you thought they might be? Yes, I think there are there are further ahead on the curve than a lot of people thought they would. Maybe not Warren. I saw him before the championship started, and he genuinely I mean, he loves this. He loves developing new teams. He loves working with new talent. He's absolutely superb at it, and he was really excited about the prospect of what lay ahead. 
and he knew he, he was working with some genuine talent there. And I think we're seeing that already. And in that respect, to see it already is the big bonus for Wales. I mean, let's face it, they were looking at an awful position in round one at home to start the Six Nations. All that noise in Cardiff had dissipated to nothing. Scotland were way out in front. And it was looking like a potential 50-point-plus drubbing at home for Wales at the start of the Championship, which is, you know, almost unthinkable. They managed to recover to the point where they almost won the game in in dramatic and very watchable fashion. And then they go to Twickenham and have a half-time lead, thoroughly deserved. They'll be really annoyed that both of those results in the end have not gone their way. But, and I think Warren did immediately after the game, if you take a step back and see where they're at, nobody wants to lose a game of rugby. But, you know, Wales are in a much better place than, say, France, who we talked about very briefly earlier on, who really were very well beaten by Ireland in Marseille. And mm. the crowd was quietened and it looked like a real, well, two things, uh, uh, missing DuPont massively and perhaps more than any of us could have imagined. But mm. also that World Cup hangover seemed to be with them and not with Ireland. And then... You know, winning through the back door against Scotland yesterday. Didn't play well, and that's why Scotland would be so annoyed. And just to go back to that decision, Scotland could have taken that out of everybody's hands. They should have gone out uh, with more conviction at various points in that second half and just took that game away from France. France were not in that game and should not have won it. So, yeah, Wales, even though they played two, lost two, psychologically will be feeling a lot better than France. But you know, wins are what matter in sport and they'll have to mm. come along at some point for Wales. But so far, so good for Gatland and his new young charges. Yeah, indeed. Miles, appreciate your time, my friend. Travel safe and we'll talk again soon. Enjoy the rest of the Six Nations. Yeah, All thanks, best, Miles. Great to talk to you. Good stuff. Uh, Miles Harrison there out of uh, the well, out of Dublin, actually, uh, part of the Sky Sport UK commentary crew covering the Six Nations. And, yeah, I think he, he got that pretty pretty spot on, mate. And you agree that the Welsh under Gats probably is yeah. that look good? He's bringing some good young players through. Yeah, they have been surprisingly pretty pretty solid for a team that lost arguably uh, Reece Samet, their, their best player, to the NFL. Um, yeah, they, they've been competitive, they've been close, but like you said, you've got to win, and, and you want to see wins. And just in regards to that kick tennis, like, as a player that wanted to counter-attack everything, it's just, you know, when players are standing still, resting, you know, not really having to move, it just creates a little bit of a debacle there. You want to be players tiring, especially the big boys, having to retreat, get back on side, and that creates an, an open and expansive game. So I'm pretty sure that uh, World Rugby will have a look at these rules and, and make some changes because Antoine Dupont was probably the guy that started it and there was a game in the Premiership where it was a horrible watch for about five minutes when both teams just kicked it back and forward. And I was like, that's the reason why people turn it off. People don't want to see you kicking the ball long periods of time and just kick, 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 kick. I want to see some running rugby, so there'll be some changes. There will be, there will be. Paulie Mawadi is uh, going to join us shortly. We'll get his take on that and a few other things, including the Super Bowl. Right now, though, here is Araha with news for Kubota. Take on any job this summer with Kubota's range. It's 25 away from nine. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Paul Mawati is joining us shortly. Don't forget we have the uh, Choices Flooring Poll as well, Revive and redesign your homes with spaces for living sale. And the poll today was a simple one. The simple question was, who is going to win the Super Bowl? That's what we wanted to know. Who is going to win the Super Bowl? You just head to the SEN app, 
Click on SENZ for breakfast. Make your vote. And uh, that is that easy. And I tell you what, we have had a lot of people hit the uh, hit this poll today. And 61% are saying the Chiefs have got it. Paulie, mm. is that about where the money's going? You know, maybe 60 to 40 um, Chiefs 49ers. Good morning. Yeah, morning. Morning, boys. Um, that's almost uh, an exact replica of what we're seeing here in the head-to-head mm. market of the Super Bowl. Around 65% of punters are backing the Kansas City Chiefs to win uh, Super Bowl 58 at $2.03. The San Francisco Niners, uh, 49ers, who are $1.72 favourites, um, Look, they've got their supporters, but yeah, the the bulk of the money is hitting the way of the Kansas City Chiefs at the moment. So even though they are slight outsiders. Oh, well, if you want to dive into some juicy odds, there's plenty of boosted odds on offer. Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, boosted from 225 to 250. Travis Kelsey, first quarter anytime TD scorer. Boosted from 650 to 750. When people are having a dabble at some boosted odds or some power plays, where are they going, Paulie? Yeah, as you said, Izzy, there are plenty of boosted odds uh, and power plays as well. Another one that uh, punters have been getting stuck into, uh, Travis Kelsey to be an anytime mm. touchdown scorer, Patrick Mahomes to be the MVP and the Chiefs to win. That's boosted from $4 out to $5. That's been very well uh, backed by punters um, in the power plays. I can tell you one of the most popular is Travis Kelsey, 25-plus uh, receiving yards in each half. That's at two dollars and twenty cents. That's been very, very popular with punters. I'm looking a wee bit further down the page for something a wee bit more juicy. And if you like twenty dollar shots, each team to score one or more touchdowns and one or more field goals in each half at twenty three dollars has seen quite a bit of action. And to be fair, uh, that sort of option usually gets pretty well backed in every um, regular season uh, NFL game where we uh, offer it. I just think with these two teams, I can see another high-scoring Super Bowl. So I think that really does come into play. So I do like it. Each team to score a touchdown and a field goal uh, in each half at $23. I'm with the punters there. I think it's a good chance. Well, we had... A guy from the UK, Mark Carlson, come on the show and he said, there are some odds on offer up there or maybe even in America for two, uh, for, for any tight end to score a touchdown in that game. It was paying 10 to 1. And what's going on, Paul? <laughs> That's just crazy. Fair dinkum. Um, we, we've got two of the best tight ends going round in the game and Travis Kelsey for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Kittle for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. I'm just having a look at Now uh, I don't know if it was that basic and it was that clear cut what he said but it was something similar and they're offering pretty good juicy odds. Yeah I think 19 to 2 it was for any tight end to score a touchdown. That's that that sounds like a lost leader for mine. I'm just having a look right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm having a look right now for uh, any touchdown uh, scorer uh, market. And George Kittle's $2.87 to score a touchdown. And Travis Kelsey is $1.91 to score a touchdown. So, 
yeah, that's yeah, that's it. That's a lost leader for mine. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Where are you going today? What are you thinking, mate? Well, if you're going to have a bit of the day on the Super Bowl, I've already put my same game multi on, and I'm not going to tell you because you'll stop it. What are you thinking? <laughs> oh, how'd your multi go on the weekend, boys? Anyway. Uh... <laughs> my half came in, Paulie. <laughs> yeah. Did I not say I liked that half? You did. You did, yeah. <laughs> Well, oh. it was controversially denied, mate. You probably had something to do with that. <laughs> yes, I was on the phone at the, at the 80th minute. Yeah, that's right. No, I really like the look of the Kansas City Chiefs here. I like a team that's been there, done that before. Look, Brock Purdy has played very, very well all season. Just a rookie quarterback heading into uh, the biggest game of his life in Las Vegas. Um I just think I, I like someone like a Patrick Mahomes who's been there, done that before. So I like if I'm going to take a, a same game multi, and of course we've got a, a same game claim uh, promotion on the Super Bowl. Uh, take a, a three or more leg same game multi, and if if you miss, you'll get a bonus bet up to fifty dollars. Um, just check out all the T's and C's at the Punters Lounge on the TAB website. But I would take uh, Kansas City to win. Uh, I like uh, McCaffrey to score a touchdown. Um, I don't think they can stop him. Uh, and also like uh, Travis Kelsey to score a touchdown as well. So there's my little three-legger. Beautiful, Paulie. Just before we let you go, the BCD sprint on the weekend, everyone was on cross-shitty, but Bonnie Lass came through and upset plenty, playing big odds. Did anyone get on Bonnie Lass? Because I've got Brent Cooper coming up, and he is the syndicate manager. Oh, yeah, there were a few that uh, jumped on Bonnie Lass, and um, she thoroughly deserved her uh, mm. first ever Group 1 victory in that BCD sprint on the weekend. A uh, superb ride by Craig Grills uh, up front mm. there. Uh, she was around $17, I think, on the tote, but there were plenty of punters that jumped on Bonnie Lass. Don't worry about that. Um, quite a few multis got knocked out with Crescetti uh, <laughs> finishing second in that race. Um, at, and as there were uh, with Adam I Am um, finishing mm. fourth in the Sir Patrick Hogan Karapiro Classic uh, before that. And, of course, Legato, well, she got a lot of multis up for punters. Legato winning the uh, Herbie Dyke Stakes, uh, I think, at around... She was around $1.70 uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, and I think she closed around $1.40, $1.30. So, yeah, Legato, she was superb once again, but... Congratulations to all the connections of Bonnie Lass. That was sensational. Good stuff, Paulie. Thanks very much. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, mate. Uh, check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18. Love Racing up next. It is 12 away from 9 o'clock. Loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. And joining us this morning is the trainer of Bonnie Lass, Brent Cooper. G'day, Brent. How you doing? Hi, guys. I'm not actually the trainer. I'm the syndicate manager. I'm, I'm not as important as the trainer, believe me. You're a syndicate manager. You are the part owner of Bonnie Lass, who finally got crowned on the weekend. Had a couple of second places there, Brent. But, mate, you finally got it done. And you bet the hot favourite, Crochetti. How good, mate? Yeah, it was awesome. Um, Crochetti is actually owned by one of my very best mates, Daniel Nakley. And um, we'd, had a bit of, we'd had a bit of... We'd had a bit of banter during the week, and um, 
I said, mate, you're, you're, you're a little boy. He's just a little runt. You know, we're just going to eyeball him. We're gonna, he's going to know he's been to the races. We've got a real, we've got a real titan here who's done it, been there, done that, and it's her turn. And he's, Daniel's the greatest guy you could ever meet in your life, and it was, it was fantastic. He, he was the first person to congratulate me, and, um, yeah, huge thrill, and Bonnie deserved it after absolutely no luck in recent races. And correct me if I'm wrong, is this your first Group 1 win? It is, mate. I've had five previous placings. Um, three of them with one horse. Um, one of them with a called Jet Ski. One with a horse called Batonk. Mm. And um, and Bonnie's Bonnie's run three Group One placings prior to today. So she deserved it. I'd like to say I deserve it too because I've put a lot of money and a lot of a lot of emotion <laughs> into the game. And it, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's the pinnacle to win a Group One race. And honestly, I I couldn't have wanted it to be with a more special horse. 19 starts, going past the finish line seven times, uh, finish, finishing first place, mate. Ridden mostly, well, every time, by Craig Grills, pays the bills, mate. And that relationship, he's got a special bond with her. He, he absolutely loves her. He's a, he's a terrific bloke as well as being a, a fantastic rider. He's stuck by us. We're stuck by him. Um, he was, you know, I've had a couple of messages back and forth with him since the race, and and, and with his mum, his mum's his biggest supporter. Um, and yeah, deli- delighted, delighted for Craig. Um, he, he deserves it. That ride was just epic. I mean, I've never. Even my daughter said to me, they said, "I've never seen a horse jump out of the gates as fast as that." It was as if she had a turbo boost on her, and he rode it positively straight to the front. We went up, went past the Kuchiri, said, "Catch us if you can." He nearly did, but um, it was our day. <laughs> Mate, what what's next for Bonnie Lass and Graham Richardson? I know he's neighbours with uh, Bears up there in Matamata. Is um has Bears got anything to do with this horse? No, he's probably he's probably just looks over the fence and wishes he was part of it, but that's about it. Um, <laughs> you know, he 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 scored enough runs in his lifetime, mate. He can leave us to this one, but um, uh, yeah, I've met him a couple of times. We actually raced a horse with him a few years ago that, that won one race, and he's a he's a great bloke. He's he's awesome. He's very passionate about the racing. But um, but next for Bonnie, um, of Sandy Moore, the owner and breeder of the horse mm. who we who we race with, um, he's obviously got a big say. Uh, Richie and I want to take it to Melbourne. We want to go to the um, Newmarket Handicap on the March the ninth. It's worth a tidy one point nice. five million. It's, it's Group One. Um, yeah, it's. It's a race that um, Rock and Horse won two years ago for LA Studs. So that's right. Uh, it can be it can be won by a Kiwi horse, and you know, Bonnie Lass has <clears throat> proved herself to be within within at least a couple of lengths of Imperatriz last season, and she's obviously a superstar. So um, yeah, I, I don't without without really knowing the opposition at this stage, mm-hmm. and I've got to have a good look at that. Um, it's definitely very firmly on the radar at the moment. Um, just just quick before we let you go, mate, and well done on that one and your first group one. No doubt you'll be still feeling the pain this morning. It would have been a lot of celebrating. But syndicates, are you seeing a lot more interest from pundits out there to be a part of syndicates? How can that be a part of your special syndicates? Well, thank you for asking. <laughs> um, <laughs> the one... I think I could sell out the Bonnie lesson to get twenty times over at the moment. So um, I'm just a one man band. I'm I'm just a, I'm just a bit of a small fish swimming in a big pond. But I've been doing it for fifteen years, and I've got a very loyal following. And that was one of the coolest things about that syndicate is most of them have been involved for ten years. Um, you know, with various horses. So 
I've just launched a new one. Um, it's called the Dynamic Duo Syndicate. It is got we bought two horses with Graham Richardson um, and Donald Logan, who's coming back a little bit later in the year at the Caracas Sales. Um, and we make it affordable, and we make it we make it fun. My whole ethos with the syndicates is, yeah, we want to win races, and we've won plenty. But as I said on the dice um, on Saturday, the most incredible thing is is the friendships and the people that are involved. And it's an affordable level, and this, this new one's 2500 to join for a share. Uh, it's $160 a month from June the 1st. Um, two beautiful horses that we game at the Cracker Million races. So, yeah, if anyone out there, any of your millions of listeners would, would like <laughs> to be involved, um, Brent at hotice.co.nz. Um, thank you for letting me do an ad. Beautiful, mate. Brent, well done on the weekend and well done with the, the your first group one and hopefully there's many more coming up, mate. Thanks for your time. Take care. Thanks to the YouTube bus, bye. Uh, six away from nine o'clock. Uh, love racing. NZ for all your thoroughbred racing news, previews, replays, profiles, and more. And uh, yeah, good to hear from uh, Brent doing such a good job. Uh, is he? You'd be in there somewhere, wouldn't you? Invested? No chance. Not yet. No chance. Not yet. Six Not away yet. from nine. Is powered by Kubota. Take on any job with Kubota's mowers, tractors, and land. Pride attachments. Just about time to hand over to uh, Louis Herman. What, Louis? Good morning to you, mate. What's coming up on the show? Lots of Super Bowl chat, boys. Thanks to Burger Fuel's Iron Rebel. We're going to go hardcore on the Super Bowl. We'll be playing uh, some of the great halftime performances. Ben Strang, who loves his cricket, and I think he's also the Morning Report EP, turns out he's actually a huge 49ers fan. So we'll get Ben Strang on. Uh, We'll talk all things Super Bowl, hints, talking the Breakers, NBA, and Glenn Phillips ahead of the second test against South Africa tomorrow. Oh, Good stuff, mate. Sounds like a massive show. Go well. Cheers, Rick. Did you did you go right on the punt on the weekend, mate? Because we didn't. Yeah, we jacked a six hundred dollar multi for Christina. We're about to give it out. <laughs> oh, how good! You, you talked out on that too. <laughs>